We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for August 7th, 2011. This is a email I just got yesterday. No, no, I'm sorry, a few days ago from a listener. And uh, I'm not going to reveal who the listener is, but it's entitled New York City Public School Gay Tolerance Campaign. And again, it relates to what we were talking about in the previous studies, about this gay indoctrination. Uh, Dr. Johnson, greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I have been a long-time listener to your audio sermons and am very grateful for the work you have put together in all these years. I just wanted to inform you about some news I recently received from a friend of mine who works within the New, the New York City Department of Education. He confirmed to me that he received a recent shipment of 500 boxes of Gay Tolerance Children's books which were to be distributed through his school district. Here is a link to the book he mentions. And this disgusting piece of garbage... The link is right here. It's called um, Tango Makes Three. Or it says, and Tango Makes Three. That's the name of it. And I'm going to read you the review, this editorial review from the School Library Journal. I kind of combined the two together because there were two reviews up there from this School Library Journal. Uh, and this is, this, is, this is from preschool to third grade. Preschool. This wicked indoctrination of the pro-sodomite, homosexual, lesbian, gay, transgendered, satanic movement being shoved down little kids' throats via our public education system. More fruit. Here's the review. It says, This tale, based on a story about a charming penguin family living in New York City's Central Park Zoo, will capture the hearts of penguin lovers everywhere. See, they want to use something cute, little, and fluffy, and, and oh, I can't, I, my, my defenses are so down. I'm like, they, I mean, penguins, whatever, I don't care. They, they can do whatever they want, because they're so cute, you know? Okay, so it'll capture the heart, the wicked hearts of penguin lovers everywhere. Roy and Silo, of course, I love penguins, I'm not saying, you know, I mean, I do, I love animals. Roy and Silo were a little bit different, and these are the two daddy penguins. Roy and Silo were just a, quote, little bit different. No, they were a whole lot bit different. If there was Roy and Silos, if that was the norm, guess what? No more penguins. There's no way you can perpetuate a race when you have homosexuality as its base. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Okay? There, you know, you just can't perpetuate a race when you got guy, man with man, and women with woman. Don't work. Roy and Silo were just quote a little different from the other male penguins. Instead of noticing females, they noticed each other. Isn't that special? They cuddle and share a nest like the other penguin couples. And when all the others start hatching eggs, they want to be parents too. Determined and hopeful, they bring an egg-shaped rock back to their nest and proceed to start caring for it, which is about the insanity of the whole thing. I mean, you, you can't procreate. You can't, or, or, you know, that rock, you can sit on it for a million years. Now, maybe Charles Darwin will tell you it's going to hatch eventually, but it's not. Okay? So, they, they bring this egg-shaped rock back to their nest and proceed to start caring for it. They have a little luck. They have little luck. Imagine that. Until a watchful zookeeper, probably a watchful gay zookeeper, decides they deserve a chance at having their own family and gives them an egg in need of nurturing, a real one. Well, that's the only way that, that gay couples can 
perpetuate their, their race is, you know, artificial insemination, a little bit of help here and there, a lot of help. They can't do it on their own. I remember that wicked, evil devil that was a woman and didn't get, like, the surgeries. But, and I reported on this devil, and, and then married a man that changed into a woman. And they were on Oprah. And the woman, who was now a man, because he'd taken hormones, had a nice full beard. I, I, mean, I always like my women with a full beard. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, you know, hey, what's not to like there? You know, full beard, nice big Adam's apple. You know, wearing a lumber uh, flannel lumberjack shirt. You know, I, th- th- this woman really wears the pants, literally, you know. And she's on Oprah. It, it's on Oprah, whatever it is. And it is pregnant. A guy, I mean, she looks like a guy now. Full beard, whole nine yards, whole butch haircut. Can't tell it's it's a woman anymore. I mean, they, enough male hormones will do that. You know, again, they have to have help with everything they do. And decides to get pregnant. Looking totally like a man. And is like nine months with this big baby bulge. I mean, it is the most disgusting abomination I've ever seen. And then the wife, who was a man or still is a man, I should say, and the other one's still a woman, they just don't look like it anymore. And Oprah's up there glorifying this wickedness, glorying in their shame. Look at how wonderful our liberality, look at how far we've come as a nation where we can have this abomination glorified for all to see and all to worship and all to embrace. And God views it as a total abomination for the pit of hell. So determined and hopeful, these, this is back to this tango and whatever. Determined and hopeful, uh, they bring an egg-shaped rock back to their nest, proceed to start caring for it. They have a little luck, they have little luck, until a watchful zookeeper decides they deserve a chance at having their own family and gives them an egg in, in need of nurturing. The dedicated and enthusiastic fathers do a great job of hatching their funny and adorable daughter. Again, a real hallmark moment. So, that's the story of this devil indoctrination gay book that is getting ready to be leashed, unleashed in the New York City school systems. And one of many. And, you know, I was up on Amazon, which is a wicked, wicked company that promotes all of this garbage. I, I don't buy anything off Amazon. I, I don't, I mean, I've done several things how they promote homosexuality, uh, essentially just about child pornography. A lot of what they're a lot of what they're promoting literally borders on that or or flagrantly gets into that. I've done several studies on that. You know, just like I tell people don't go to Starbucks coffee, the goddess coffee. If you saw what that original logo looked at, it's a it's a it's a devil goddess for Starbucks coffee on there. They are one of the most satanic pro abortion companies on the planet. Starbucks coffee. I've done. I've put out emails about it, and I've got all the pictures to prove what their logo looked like originally. I can't even repeat it. They've just shrunk the logo. They've they've the camera angle is shrunk down. You don't really see what that goddess is really doing. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. But 
as I was up on this Amazon.com site, they had, you know, they had all the other books related to this. So then I saw these other disgusting promo, pro-homosexual brainwashing books for children. The first one is Mama, Mommy, Mama, and Me. Now, I'm not even going to read you the excerpts from these, but it's, it's about two lesbian women and their child. The next one is The Family Book by Todd Parr. Now, again, I've got all these ratings, and this is 4.6 out of 5 stars. 4.7 out of 5 stars. So the lesbians and gays are going up there and rating these books. Where are the Christians up there rating these abominations? Well, their, their comments would probably be taken down, but most of them probably be scared to do this, you know, rate it, because they might get convicted of a hate crime or something. And then the next one, Daddy, Papa, and Me. And it shows, like, two two gay guys uh, with their kid, you know, throwing their kid up in the air. And then the next one is my favorite. This is my favorite. My Princess Boy. Which shows like this boy with this little pink star in his head, and he's in this little ballerina tutu. Really special, you know. My princess boy, and the whole book cover's pink. And then the next one is, uh, hold on. Uh, again, the next one is King and King. So evidently, two kings that were gay guys that. And then the next one is oh, the things that mommies do. What could be better than, I believe, two mommies? What could be better than having two? So that's a little little punny rhyme, little pun. Oh, the things that mommies do, what could be better than having two? What could be more of an abomination than having two is what it should say. And these are little kids' books. Little tiny indoctrination, brainwashing, satanic brainwashing tools. To defile the little ones as early as possible. So that they have no chance to ever break free. Not to say Jesus Christ couldn't do this. But we are being, as as collectively as a nation, it seems as though we're being turned over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Which means to do those things that are not fitting. Biblically fitting. Apt. Morally upright. And then the last book is The Different Dragon. So evidently it's a dragon, which, you know, is, is the universal symbol for Satan. It's a gay dragon. Uh, you know, happen. you know, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable what we're dealing with here. But these, and I give you, I give you the, 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 I don't, you know, you can, there's a link, there's an actual little cover. You can see, you can see the cover of it on the PDF. It's on page 28. And, um, 28 and 27, of all these abomination books. Now, going back to the article that my listener sent me regarding the guy in the New York City school system, my friend cannot release any pictures of the boxes or the books because he would be jeopardizing his job. But once the boxes are released into the schools, he will be able to show me, and I can have hard evidence to demonstrate to the people how the government is trying to drive gay tolerance down our children's throats. Please pray for our children and so that the Lord may grant us the boldness to speak out, even if it costs us our jobs, our reputations, or our lives. I feel that this issue is what will eventually start the persecution of the church in America. Yep. I've done teaching a long time ago where it was entitled, The Bible uh, is Hate Speech. It it really is. It, It already is. According to a lot of these wicked laws that are being enacted, the Bible is hate speech. It's just a matter of they haven't decided to go after from a 
hardcore persecution or imprisonment standpoint yet. But the but the laws are, are all there essentially. They're 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 um, from a legal standpoint, not a not an upright moral legal standpoint, but you know, technically speaking, the Bible's hate speech. Uh, and again, it relates very heavily to all the stuff we just talked about with this Norway shooter. You know, so that's the uh, end of that particular section kind of regarding that subject. Now, next article, we're just going to cover a lot of different articles right now. The next article is, uh, uh, Israel agrees to negotiate over the pre-1967 lines, which I couldn't believe it when I saw this. Of course, I knew this was probably coming. Uh, this is from Jerusalem out of Associated Press, and it says, in a dramatic policy shift, now, this hasn't, I don't think this has been very well widely publicized, but it says, in a dramatic policy shift, Israel's prime minister has agreed to negotiate the borders of a Palestinian state based on the ceasefire line that marks off the West Bank. A, a TV station reported on Monday. Up to now, Benjamin Netanyahu has refused to spell out his plan for negotiating the border. A senior Israeli official would not confirm outright that the prime minister was now willing to adopt the ceasefire line as a starting point, but said Israel was willing to try new formulas to restart peace talks based on a proposal made by President Barack Obama. We're in for it. I'm telling you. We have been the main one pressuring Israel to pull back to these um, these pre-67 borders which are totally indefensible. And, and I've, I've given you all the proof of that, of the videos and the, and the things are out there. It would reduce Israel to this tiny strip of land and they could just fire rockets from both sides. It's totally indefensible. Every time you give land, and I've done so many studies on this, to the Muslims, who the only solution to the Muslims is driving Israel into the sea is total annihilation of the Jews. That's the only thing they would ever be happy with. Why would Satan inspire these people to do that? Because then the Bible could not be fulfilled in Revelation and in parts of Daniel. How are you going to have 144,000 Jewish male virgins who evangelize the world, 12,000 from each tribe, according to Revelation 7 and Revelation 14, how are you going to have that if they're all wiped out? Well, then you can't fulfill Bible prophecy. It's not going to happen. Satan can plot and plan all day long. We can totally give up our support of Israel, which, when this happens, horrific things always happen to the United States. And I've proven that over and over again. Koenig's book, The Eye of the Storm, John McIntyre. um, These guys have all written books on how whenever we pressure Israel to give up land, that we have all these horrific things happen. To the United States. And in fact, this year in America alone has been the most, one of the most horrific years from a natural disaster standpoint that we have ever seen. And we, and good old Obama has kicked it into total high gear, pressuring Israel to give up what little land they've got and to move back to these pre-67 borders, which are totally indefensible. We, America's in big trouble. Because Obama's the one that's, that's, I mean, I understand he's a puppet on a string, but the fact is, is this puppet on a string is the main reason why, it seems as though is the main reason why Netanyahu is, is willing to make these concessions, which I, I, I'm just flabbergasted, but evidently it's, it's going to happen.
In a speech about the Middle East in May, Obama proposed negotiations based on the pre-67 line, which agreed swaps of territory between Israel and a Palestinian state. Netanyahu reacted angrily, insisting that Israel would not withdraw from the West Bank. Now Netanyahu is basically accepting the framework. I mean, this is, I guess his handlers got to him. I don't know. According to a Channel 2 TV offering to trade Israeli territory on its side for the uh, side of the line for West Bank land where its main settlements are located. Now, I haven't heard a whole lot more about it, but he's already saying, you know. The problem that they're saying, why they say it may not uh, come to fruition, is because Israel's demanding that the Palestinians accept Israel as a, as a true sovereign nation, and they've never been willing to do that. They're never they're, they're just so satanically oriented. They're never satisfied with whatever's given them. I mean, you could give them. It's just like saying you could give them everything in the world. The only thing they're going to be satisfied with is total annihilation of the Jews. And there's so many quotes from these high-level uh, Islamic Muslim leaders that admit that, and yet they're never talked about. Oh no, we we'll just ignore that. No, they're 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 religion of peace. They're they're gonna they're gonna play nice. If you finally give up this land, they'll finally play nice. Even though they fired like over 12,000 rockets into Israel and, and, and since um, the, the peace talks or, or those Oslo peace accords or whatever, even, even from the early, um, in the last 10 years, it's been way over 12,000. It's probably been over 20 by now. But they'll, they'll play nice. I mean, that's the reward Israel gets for giving up more land. They get more rockets. They just move the rockets up closer. Oh, but if we finally give them this land, they'll stop for real. No, they won't. They're just going to shake their heads how stupid, you know, they were to give up more land. And I mean, I'm not indicting Israel, I'm just saying. I mean, it's, it's insanity to give Satan more more land so he can move his rockets in closer. you know. And that doesn't mean I think that all of Israel's uh, uh, leadership is good and true. You know, I'm not saying they're not Zionists. I'm not saying they're not of the synagogue of Satan. Okay, the Bible says they call themselves Jews, but they're of the synagogue of Satan. I believe pretty much everybody in high-level government... All across the world would fall into, you know, uh, they didn't they didn't get put there for no reason. So again, I'm not making some blanket endorsement for every single thing that they do, but to me, it's just the height of insanity to give these Muslims. Uh, I mean, if they do this, I I can't even imagine. But they're not going to be annihilated. I guarantee you that they will not be annihilated. Okay, so next article is entitled, Dallas Willard and Richard Foster Warning. The New Emerging Theology Breeds Atheism in a Generation of Young People. I believe this is from Lighthouse Trails. One day we received a call from one of our readers who wanted to share some news concerning his pastor's son. Now this isn't me, this is, I believe, Lighthouse Trails. He told us the son, after sitting under Dallas Willard for four years in university, declared himself now to be an atheist. How could this have been? How, How could this have happened? The boy was raised in a Christian home. Dallas Willard claims to be a Christian. While we do not know the details of the boy's story, the following fictionalized story could very well be his story and that of many other young Christians and pastors today. We'll call our boy John. John was raised in a Christian home. He attended church regularly and grew up with solid Christian teachings. Then, as a young adult, it seemed that he should stretch his wings a little, so he decided to attend a nearby Secular University. This seemed to be a good move. 
he felt sufficiently grounded in the word of God that he should benefit from the experience. Um, his parents, though somewhat hesitant because it was a secular school, agreed, and any concerns they did have were alleviated when they found out that John connected with one of the university's professors who was a well-known, quote, Christian figure and actually became John's spiritual mentor. It all seemed like such a good arrangement, gaining discipleship from one of America's top spiritual leaders. The professor had a special emphasis on spiritual formation and contemplative prayer with a theology akin to emerging spirituality. Like the classic emerging leaders, he would postulate that God must be like that what God must be like based on the rationale premise that God is love, and that's the only attribute of God. In other words, there's no other side of God, just love. This sounded innocent enough. After all, the Bible says that God is love. But a problem arose when the human reasoning became the final authority. Remember, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Taking precedence over scripture. Human reasoning taking precedence over... Yeah, you create your own religious system. So when the subjects like hell were discussed, it would only seem logical that a loving God would never send anyone to hell. Why would God assign anyone to such a place? Consequently, hell must not exist. See the leap of logic? When you start trying to be your own God and, and, and say, oh, this is what the scriptures really mean. Now the professor neighbor came right out and said there was no hell. But he asked questions and he got his young protege to ask questions. Questions, questions, but often no answers. This line of reasoning proceeded further and further. The professor had read, um, the professor had John read books from writers like William Shannon, who wrote Silence on Fire, and Brennan Manning, who wrote Above and All. These are obviously emergent spirituality books. Both who stated that God, who caused Noah's flood, or exacted the last drop of blood from his son for his sins of others, that that God did not exist. Yeah, that, that, see, that's what they said. Well, God's love, well, then there's no way he could have sent Jesus Christ to the world to, to, to pay our sin debt because God is love. He would never do that to his own son. See, when you start reasoning this garbage, you know, you start in your mind, you get all this garbage in your head and you think, oh, well, can't be. See, this is why, again, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You're not rightly dividing. You're just looking at one little portion of scripture, isolating it, to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible. Very dangerous. This is how cults get started. So both of these devil authors stated that God who caused Noah's flood or exacted the last drop of blood from from his son for the sins of others, that that God did not exist. John took his professor's teachings and carried them to their logical conclusions, which is... A loving God would not allow evil to reign in the world, and a loving God would not allow disease and suffering. One thought led to another in logical sequence to a final conclusion, and that was, if a loving God would not allow these things, but these things are happening, then God must not exist. So now he's an atheist. Sadly enough, this young man in our fiction story, which is actually based on true stories, with a very promising future entered college entered college life as a believer and came out an atheist. So even though his professor, these are, I mean, guys like this Dallas Willard, all they are are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's all they are. If Satan can be transformed into a minister of light, it's no marvel that his ministers, 
Satan's ministers can be transformed into ministers of righteousness. They appear righteous, but they're ministers of Satan. And again, the Bible clearly predicts this. So even though his his professor did not tell John that he should become an atheist, he equipped this young man with a thought process that ultimately excludes the teachings of the Bible. Equipping a young person where philosophical reasoning precludes God's revelation is like placing a child in a rattlesnake pit while cautioning him not to get bit. Colossians 2.8 says, again, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. This is what these people are doing, particularly in a college setting. They're heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want to hear something, they want to hear some new doctrine. And guaranteed, that new doctrine is going to most likely contradict the word of God. And then the next verse says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. What is truth? The Bible says, Thy word is truth. The word is truth. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It is the same throughout the new spirituality emerging church movement. The leaders of this movement come across as being very hip. I see some of these videos of these guys. It's such an abomination. They're up there wearing like Hawaiian shirts with like crazy looking haircuts. They look like guys in like middle age crises that would like go out and like lease a brand new Corvette to try to pick up the chicks because they're in some middle age crisis. These guys, these pastors out there. And they got to come off as hip and they talk about, you know, we talked about like that guy last week, you know, they talk about, you know, the gory details of sex and their, and their false interpretation of it, and of false unbiblical interpretations of it, and all these unbiblical, ungodly doctrines. And they got their false Bible versions that they're reading out of. They're 501c3 corporation. I mean, they're so delusional. Just preaching whatever they can do to tickle the ears of man. No sound doctrine. Just their opinions. It's unbelievable. It's so common. I mean, it's so prevalent. So the leaders of this movement come across as being very hip and highly intelligent, thereby ensnaring vast numbers of young people who are seeking someone they can look up to for answers. Why does the Bible, That's why the Bible says in Jeremiah uh, 17.5, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. When you look up to Dallas Willard or any other man... For your source of salvation, which is essentially what you're doing there, I mean, you've got to go to the Word of God. You've got to go and stay grounded in the Word of God and compare whatever man is telling you with the Word of God. Obviously, he wasn't doing that. He was going by his own heartfelt opinion that this other devil, Dallas Willard, was injecting and leading him in his thinking and thought processes. So, for example, Rob Bell, in a promotional video for his new book, Love Wins, raises a series of questions on what God must be like. This man has an incredible ability to break down the foundations of the Bible by merely asking questions. Like John's professor, Dallas Willard, he begins with the premise that God is love, then skillfully and persuasively breaks down the fundamentals of the Bible through a chain of questions. It is interesting to note that the serpent beguiled Eve by asking a question. 
the list could go on. And this is what cults do. They try to get people, Christians, away from the Bible. Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons. They come to you with their pre-programmed cult questions. Don't play that game. Don't play that game with these cults. You go after them. Because there's plenty, plenty, plenty. I mean, if you if you so choose to engage with a cult, I, I don't play their game about asking questions about some remote part of the Bible that they have some twisted interpretation on. Just go after the obvious. <laughs> Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, whatever, Seventh-day Adventists, there's so many obvious things that shows they're not of God that totally overrides. You have to always have to consider the source of the religion that is questioning you. If it comes from a corrupt source, then it didn't come from God. You shall know them by their fruit. And without exception, these cults always have a corrupt beginning. And the Bible says in Psalm verse eleven three, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So if their foundation was corrupt, why are you going to sit there for two minutes and listen to anything that these cult people have to say to you? I always, I mean, people send me videos and this, and what do you think about this? What do you think about that? It's, it's very hard. I, I'm being bombarded all the time with this stuff. What you need to do before you email me these types of things is do research on this person or whatever. You know, yeah, a lot of times I can help, but I'm only one person. I can only do so much. But if at all possible, do research like, okay, you're not sure about him. Okay, put type in the name in like search engine. And then the name, and then the word like heresy, exposed, debunked, whatever. And see what comes up. Many, many times it's like, whoa, I'm not going to even look at this. What, they, they've got some little cultic niche? This is what people do. This is how, why there's so many flavors of pseudo-Christianity out there. All these crazy interpretations of the Bible are their little cult pet doctrines. They're just going to take people to hell. Why? Because they want followers. Pride. Always boils down to pride. I don't want followers. I'll be honest with you. I don't want followers. I, I don't tell people that anybody to follow me. Just follow the word of God. Hopefully I can direct you to the word of God. You, you need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to follow Father God. Hopefully I can point you in that direction. But I really believe a lot of this boils down to pride. These people want to have their own little, their own little following. Their own little cult following. And then all of a sudden, they start to be full of pride. Because you know what? Well, God showed this to my cult leader, even though they want to call him that. And he said, or she said, that they're the only ones on the planet that God showed this to. Because a lot of times, I've never even heard a lot of these heresies. So therefore, we must be really super mega special. Because they only showed it to God, only showed it to us and nobody else. So, in other words, they get to the point where they believe they're the only ones on the planet that are going to heaven. Which, I mean, it's just like wow. So you're the so everybody that was before you. Let's even include the apostles. They all went to hell because they weren't shown this great mega truth that God supposedly showed your cult leader. Aren't you special? Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Pride will blind you to the truth. I think some of the worst people that are blinded are the Hebrew Roots people. You can't tell them a thing. They know it all. 
They know it all. You can't tell them nothing. They got it all figured out and just forget it. Fine. But, you know, I can just give you a ton of scripture, which I've done in several other studies, to contradict that whole movement. So, I mean, there's just such gigantic chunks in the New Testament that you would have to totally ignore to justify that. And they get away from the Word of God. They go to their, you know, Jerusalem Bible, and then they go back to, oh, the original languages, and they go back to all this, they go back to all these other extra-biblical things, and then a lot of times they get into the Talmud, and then the Midrash, and even sometimes you, you go far enough to get into the Kabbalah. <laughs> I mean, just flat-out witchcraft. In the Talmud, which, which calls Jesus the most blasphemous things you could possibly imagine, particularly the Babylonian Talmud. But, you know, they're the only ones that have the truth. I'm telling you, it is like a total landmine, minefield out there. Stick to the word of God. Okay, and that's, that's the biggest thing. Pray fast, live righteously, stick to the word of God, and, and, and don't follow man, you know? So anyway, and again, this is a great example of this. This guy was following a man. And this guy, you know, systematically drove him away from the word of God into this humanistic, deistic, Existential, um, existentialism, meaning you derive your religion from your experience of what seems right. A lot of people do this. Tons. Or they're in a church and they have some big scandal and the pastor's caught sleeping with somebody or whatever happens and they've put all this faith and this trust and this hope in this man or this woman. And then the man fails them. So then their faith is exposed because it was never faith in the Bible. It was faith in a human being. Human beings can't save you. And then they fall away. Happens all the time. The remedy for that is just grounding yourself in the word of God on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. And when the winds come and the waves come and all these things and beat against your house, it's not going to be moved because it's built upon a rock. Don't build your house on a sand. And when the winds come and the waves, and then it's just going to topple over. Because God will test you and try you and just see what, you know, if you're really real or not. So let's go further here. <clears throat> well, let me just read this. For example, Rob Bell in the promotional video for his book, Love Wins, raises a series of questions on what God must be like. This man has incredible ability to break down. Isn't that, isn't that a great thing to say? An incredible ability to break down the foundations of the Bible by merely asking questions. Like John's professor, he begins with the premise that God is loved and skillfully and persuasively breaks down the fundamentals of the Bible through a chain of questions. It is interesting to note that the serpent beguiled Eve by asking a question. The list could go on and on with examples of emerging leaders who question and postulate their way through the minds of young people, overturning long-held sacred beliefs Lighthouse Trails has received phone calls by numerous parents over the last 10 years who have told us their children's Christian faith has been turned upside down in just a short period of time when they entered college or university, many of which were Christian colleges or schools. Supposedly Christian. Right. Most of the time, you go to cemeteries, I mean a seminary, 
and you get destroyed. Your faith becomes destroyed. Well, that's not really the word of God. This is a more accurate rendering. In fact, we need to go back to the older texts, because they're more accurate, even though the oldest texts available are the ones that were never used, like the, Vatic- the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, because even the Catholic Church knew they were corrupt. So they're the oldest, oldest ones in existence, because nobody would touch them with a 10-foot pole, even the Catholic Church. But then we have two high-level occultists who hung out with Charles Darwin, who had like a club called the Ghostly Guild where they got together and they did seances and they supposedly communicated with the dead and the Hermes Club. Hermes, I believe, the god of death or something. They had these clubs, Westcott and Hort, and they say, well, we're going we're gonna, to, um, basically who are closet Catholics, and we're going we're gonna, to um, uh, create our own Bible version, which spawned the 1881 Bible version. And the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus contradicted themselves in so many places when they were trying to do this translation that they just made this wonderfully educated rule up that wherever they contradicted, we just choose the Vaticanus. And this is what spawned all of the modern day Bible versions that we have today. Not the King James Bible, but the modern day ones. Talk about a corrupt foundation. That's why, that's why it is such a big deal, I believe. It's a huge deal. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So going further, one man looking for answers found them by turning to Dallas Willard and Richard Foster. Listen to what he found. I bumped into classic spiritual disciplines while taking a course called Dynamics of Christian Life in my second year of Bible school. One of our textbooks was The Spirit of Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Uh, uh, The course and textbook only touched on the actual disciplines, but the concept captivated me. The following spring, I found a copy of Richard Foster's spiritual classic, Celebration of Discipline, in a used bookstore. Opening it and discovering each discipline detailed chapter by chapter, I felt a profound sense of joy and excitement. I'd found a real treasure, right? You found a real abomination is what you found. Later, this young man became a freelance writer for youth specialties. Listen to where the spirituality of Dallas Willard and Richard Foster led him. This is the fruit. Remember, by their fruit you shall know them. I built myself a prayer room, a tiny sanctuary in the base, basement closet filled with books on spiritual disciplines. Like, where did this all come from? Like, when the monks and stuff from the Catholic, they would, like, flagellate themselves, they, you know, beat themselves and, and, and do all kind of things to torture themselves. Why are they doing this? Because they do not believe that the blood of Jesus Christ paid the penalty for their sin. They believe they have to atone for their sin through, like, flagellation and through all these self... Uh, deprivation, and all these things they have to do to themselves in order to pay their sin debt. Because they can't have Jesus Christ paying their sin debt. Oh no, no, no. They got too much pride for that. They got to do it themselves. That's where all this garbage comes from. It all comes from the Catholic Church. This contemplative devil church movement. So he built a tiny sanctuary in a basement closet filled with books on spiritual disciplines, contemplative prayer, and Christian mysticism. Yeah, that's kind of an oxymoron, Christian mysticism. In that space, I lit candles, burned incense, hung rosaries. You know where rosaries came from? They were, um, before they were Catholic rosaries, the Catholics stole it from the Hindus. They're Hindu prayer beads. That's what they are. They're just repackaged Hindu prayer beads. And then listen to tapes. I mean, where can you find rosaries in the Bible? They're not. Where can you find burning incense? Well, burning incense to Baal? (laughs) That's essentially what they're doing. 
and they listen to tapes of Benedictine monks. Now that's a fa- now I, you know listen I I, I gotta admit I I, I you know I, I do a little Benedict, Benedictine monk listening myself you know the old Gregorian chants I'm you know hey come on I'm only human I'm just kidding teasing anyway listen to tapes of Benedictine monks. I meditated for hours on words, images, and sounds. This is the whole contemplative, new age, Hindu mysticism, where they go like, om, om, and do it over and over again. What are they doing? They're emptying their minds. That's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is actually meditating on a portion of scripture, and either like memorizing it, or, or letting the Holy Spirit speak to you regarding it. It's not sitting there in some mindless trance, letting devils and demons come into your psyche. Because that's what's happening when you go into this contemplative meditative. Why do you think that Satan would want people to do it? Because it allows demons to enter into you and possess you more and more and more. So he listened to tapes of Benedictine monks. He meditated for hours on words, images, and sounds. He said, I reached the point of being able to achieve alpha brain patterns, which is always, you know, a good goal. No, just kidding. And And a state in which dreams occur while I was still awake and meditating. How is this possible? Through demonic possession. You can achieve a lot of crazy, wacky, nutty stuff. Just look at the yogis. And I don't mean Yogi Bear. Or Boo Boo. Sorry. But I mean, you can achieve a lot of crazy stuff. These Hindus. I mean, through... uh, This stuff is demonic. How are they doing all this stuff? These, These supposed, I mean, these magical satanic parlor tricks that they seem to be able to pull off. They're Satan. Demons. They're just being assisted. It's like a satanic parlor trick. It's no big for, no big deal for Satan. The Bible does predict in 2 Thessalonians that there will be a great delusion before Jesus returns, and we believe we're seeing such delusion today. But there is hope, or otherwise we would not be writing this article. First of all, we need to be praying for this generation of young people. Second, we need to make ourselves available to the Lord to help in any way that we can. The eternal destiny of our children and grandchildren are now at stake. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Amen to that. We who have witnessed these things know what that standard is. It is a return to the solid teaching of the word of God and the preaching of the gospel. Pray that God will open the eyes of our young people to see the false teachers that have entered into their midst, and pray that the converts of that earlier movement will repent and return to their first love of the truth of God's word. Uh, amen to that. Okay, next part of this teaching is, uh, boy, hold on, let me see if i got enough time to do this. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and end this, because we're going to next do a review on the Harry Potter movie, uh, and I just do not have time in this next segment to get this in. So I'm going to go to part four. There's probably going to be, uh, I don't know, two, three more parts. And most likely what I'm going to do this week, because this is like a triple study I'm doing today. I'm going to, I'm going to next week will be, um, we won't put up a study, but you'll have a triple study this week. So it'll keep you, hopefully this is going to keep you occupied for a while. And then um, after this, you're probably going to be sick of hearing me for a couple weeks anyway. So um, we'll hopefully then get cranked back up again, not next week, but the week after. So anyway, God bless you, and we'll see you in part four.